Hello, my dear listener, and welcome to Is This It? I'm your host, Donna Grunberger, and I'm here to have meaningful conversations with talented and purpose-driven people to discover what mindset allowed them to overcome their greatest challenges and achieve success, and share it with you so you can do the same. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider joining my exclusive Patreon community to support the show and unlock bonus content. I have a friend, right? They raised $100 million. And so I'm sure people are like, oh, he's so young. How do you do that? Like me and him were literally sleeping in a co-working space together in California. So it's like he deserves that. And by the way, he was sleeping on couches and stuff even before we were doing that. Like we were eating $3 burritos at like around 11 to 12 so we could have brunch. And then at night we would go to free events to get food, right? Because they had free food, free beer, all this type of stuff. And now he's raised $100 million. I live out of Airbnbs and hotels all throughout the year. Sometimes it might be a couple nights, whatever it may be, because I just want to see a city quickly or whatever it may be. For me, it allows me to have like freedom of mind and space. Like I can end it whenever like I, I want. And by the way, I need to be inspired by different things throughout the world constantly. On today's episode, nomadic tech entrepreneur and distance runner, Carmichael Caldwell. Carmichael? Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Excited to be here. So I would like to start with your life philosophy. You mentioned something about passages. Can you explain that to me? Oh, yeah. Uh, mantras. Because I think a lot of people talk about manifestation instead of mantras, right? I think manifestation is the vision and mantras are the things that you have to say every day to yourself to brainwash uh, yourself in believing you can actually reach your goal, right? Because manifestation is typically something large, something that seems unconceivable, unbelievable. Uh, and I think that the world does a great job of brainwashing you constantly, right, into their way of life. In order to create your own path, you must talk about mantras, right? And so for me, that's you are the modern day Renaissance man. What you create in your mind, you can bring to reality. And you are an elite runner with endorsement deals you negotiated, right? Those are things. Those that are the things that you say to yourself every day. And write out every day. You write them every day as well. Yeah, I write them every day too. So it's mantras for you. Yeah, mantras. You write them down, you tell them to yourself. When did you start doing that? I guess I started a little bit of that. I actually, I don't even think I started it. My mom started it uh, for me when I was a child. And so it goes way back. Yeah, way back, way back. So my mom started telling me every day, you're a leader, you're a winner, you're a leader, you're a winner every single day. Well done, mom. Yeah, yeah it was, it, I, so, so like growing up, uh, I think you go through a phase of your life where you nearly detach from the things that you did foundationally growing up. And then, I, I don't know, I think it's like a rebellious time in your life where you're like, oh, I can do it my way, et cetera. Uh, but then you kind of start growing and you kind of look back and say, well, what helped me even get to this point? Um, and you pull away at least some of the positive things uh, that kind of helped you get to where you want to be, right? Uh, and so at first, like, I, th I would say in college and things like that, I wasn't really focused on mantras and all these things. I was honestly focused on like partying. I would be very and, surprised if you said you did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was focused on like partying and all these things. Uh, but then like, I guess, you know, throughout my 20s, I was ver very focused on like career and like building companies and things like that. And then I slowly moved back to more, more mantras, like specifically focused on that. I would say last year. And Why? Then Why last year? I would say... I started digging deeper on like, I guess people talk about inner child work, right? I would say that inner child work, but also just, I believe in like having the imagination of a child and the wisdom of an adult, right? And I said, well, how do you have the imagination of a child 
and what are the things that a child foundationally needs in order to dream and all these things and then i oh go go on. no i was going to ask why is that important to you uh because i feel like as you matriculate throughout life your risk tolerance becomes lower right um as a kid you're saying i want to be a doctor a lawyer an astronaut all these things but then i don't know as a as an adult most people typically say ah no that doesn't seem uh, achievable like that's going to be a lot of hard work. And so I think that if you have the imagination of a child, right, and you continuously dream, but the wisdom of an adult, you can still dream big, but be more strategic in your approach in achieving these big goals, right? So I actually have a tattoo that focuses on that specifically of like unlearning to learn. I was actually challenged the other day about even the, the concept of unlearning. I don't think it's Oh, I'm still kind of battling on that. Uh, I would say unlearning is, is good, but maybe it's just an iteration of thought, right? And so I, I study philosophy uh, as well, a lot of Stoic philosophy, like Marcus Aurelius and, and, and uh, Seneca and, and people like that. And the way they write is their thoughts are not complete. They continuously evolve, right? Even in meditations, you think about like how his thoughts evolve. Some of his thoughts are repetitive and then some of them evolve. Right. And I think that's the same way about life. So when you're talking about unlearning, it's like, well, no, some things are good and you're going to continuously repeat, but some things are bad and you need to iterate. Um, and so that's going back to like having having the imagination of a child and the wisdom of an adult. I think that is what that in, really encompasses throughout. That really, really strongly resonates with me. I on both points, I think and I say this often that as a child, you learn your job is to learn. Yeah. And as an adult, you're job is to unlearn but what that entails actually is the process of understanding opening a book and seeing all the beliefs that are within you all the systems all the programming that is within you and that takes a lot of work and awareness and it's scary and awareness takes presence but once you get there and you see this open book and everything that you contain then you can start the process of unlearning the things that you realize are foreign to you the things that you realize are alien to you so yes whilst we were growing up we learned loads of things and some of them stick because they're true to our core but then some are completely foreign even though all of them we learned in different sorts types of processes so i think the job our job in adulthood is just to see and pinpoint which ones are those alien beliefs and yeah. alien programming and just get rid of them but that's also very hard work yeah and i i think to your point, it's very hard work and it's it's uh, kind of painful work too because when you are unlearning, you're kind of going against the grain of what you learn. And me personally, uh, maybe it's different for others, I think it also takes extreme amounts of isolation uh, as well. I think you have to spend a lot of time alone, a lot of time away from uh, sometimes even your loved ones, sometimes your friends, whatever it may be, uh, because they may not understand like why you're fighting these things like why you're trying to go against the grain uh and then also you it's very easy to go back to the old you or go back to some of your old beliefs because it's just comfortable i think that's inevitable um, though that's the yeah. process of unlearning yes is you will bounce back to them yeah. and then every time you do hopefully you realize oh right this is why in fact this is not me exactly and then it's every time it gets easier and easier to push it further and further away until there's that final release you know at some point exactly has no, that happened to you yeah yeah i mean i mean literally quite quite physically and, and literally right I, I created 
um, a lot of different boundaries in like family, friends, associates, can everyone. You, can, you, can you give me an example? Within uh, family, maybe. Oh, yeah. Like, so even like, I'm, I mean, my mom, I would say my mom is a very critical part of my life because uh, I think without her, I would not be who I am today, right? Like, she's inspired me so much. She's the one that put all these mantras in me, made me a dreamer, made me believe. But she also has like a lot of power as well, meaning like, in the same stuff that she's allowed me to, like uh, the same things that she's done to propel me, like an, any ounce of negativity from her can create a lot of impact. She has to a very me. strong impact on you. Exactly. So uh, sometimes, and like I think we all have this, right? Sometimes uh, she was sometimes a bit negative. And so I, I, I literally just had to change that dynamic. And I think we're like, How? How? Uh, because uh, well, you're I, not the first mine person. Mine was drastic. I, yeah. mine, mine was drastic. I just literally like ended large amounts of communication consistently frequently whatever it may be and then i just also was that a, um an agreement between you after you explained why you do that or how did i think it was an it explanation more abrupt i think it was uh one one abrupt and an explanation to like the entire family just so it wasn't like is carmichael crazy it's like no there there's a, a method behind the madness but it was abrupt as well right it was i think it was a build-up though and i think for most people it is it's like, all right, you're trying to push you through, you're trying to push through, you're trying to push through. And there's this small thing that happens and everyone's like, why did you react like that on the small thing? But it was, it was just a, a, com a complete buildup. And then you just have to make that because it's something in you that says, if you don't make this decision now, you never will. And most people don't because it is painful. It is a struggle. It does suck. And the consequences and of not doing it are far more grave than going through with it, which is life of inauthenticity. Yeah, but a lot of people don't even want to chase being authentic, right? Because we, like we just explained, like it's painful. You have to, it takes deep thought. It takes isolation. It takes all these things. Very uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable, right? And it's a, to me, I think a, a short-term sacrifice for more definition for the long-term. But a lot of people don't want to go through short-term sacrifices. I mean, it, it's, it's like if you think about the gym, right? You and I both were talking about the gym, like, a lot of people want to lose weight, but they're not willing to change their eating habits. They're not w willing to uh, go to the gym consistently, right? So they know they have these big visions. They know they want to be the best version of themselves. They know they want to be authentic, but the the timeline to do it uh, just seems too great for them. So they don't actually want it bad enough, right? Well, so now yeah. we can delve deeper as to why that happens, which is surely because their identity is linked to a different vision of who they are are yeah. so perhaps they say to themselves oh i would love to be you know that kind of a person that you know is in this shape and sticks to these goals etc but actually what they believe they are yes, is exactly yes. the opposite and that's, that's the reason point. why they don't take action on that yeah and that's why the mantras are, are so important because it is the brainwashing to feel like one you deserve it and two you are the person you're looking to become so interesting that you use this word brainwashing i i like that you did because in the end of the day it's it's very clear i think to everybody that you know we're being brainwashed daily all the impulses all the ads all the social media messages from other people you know radio parents friends we're, we're consuming this information and processing it constantly so why on earth wouldn't we proactively program ourselves and brainwash ourselves with the things that are beneficial to us that are directed to us being able to achieve the goals that we want to achieve and become the people that we want to become it's like super obvious right yeah. when, when we say that but yet not everybody does that 
Yeah. Well, I think that should that should be taught very early on and amazing that your mother did that to you. For sure. For sure. And by the way, my mom never let me watch TV growing up as well. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. cuz it's like now I might have a TV in a hotel room or wherever and I never even cut it on. In fact, I forget it's even there or it's something that people do. I never ever watch TV. There's so many things to to see like a, a museum, just walk especially in London, like just walking around the city, you can see so much or just being in deep thought, right? So I think a lot of times people are just aren't even giving like it it sounds simple, but a lot of people aren't even giving their life thought, right? Yeah. They allow life to happen to it instead of thinking strategically about it uh in order to make any meaningful strides yeah so. i have this very um love-hate relationship with tv so i stopped watching it when i was when i was 15. i had gone on a travel for a month visiting my sister in spain and awesome. i missed all of my favorite episodes of prison break and dr house <laughs> <laughs> and after that i never kind of watched tv again of course you know there's computer you have your netflix etc but i always feel guilty whenever i actually do watch uh, <laughs> some tv unless it's a documentary or something i feel very guilty because i think well you know, whose who's narrative am I watching? Yeah. Wouldn't it be better to invest this time into building my life so that my life becomes like a movie that yeah, okay, I want? Okay, yes, we are on the same page. <laughs> Rather than... It's the same, yes. Yeah. I'm like, why would I watch a movie when I can create the movie? Like, I, I, I tell all my friends, I tell it like, I'm like, you must live life as if it's a movie every single day. Like, you can literally create and paint whatever you scene you want just live life as if it's a movie. In fact, I have friends now, I'm um, going back to the brainwashing and movie and all this type stuff and creating too. Like by the time you're watching TV, you can just create the life you want or- And create. it's, it's the taking the responsibility of creating your own life's movie. Literally. Is scary. And yes. I think that's why people don't do it. Yeah. Well, it's scary because now you're held like accountable to actually actually doing it. But but um, th th this is like so t to my friends, I'm texting them like cra like one of my friends, Tony, he, he was my roommate in college and I'm texting him crazy stuff. Right. I'm like out, out of the blue as well. I'm just like, hey, there's a plane that I said, there's a there's a sprinter coming to pick you up to the helicopter. The helicopter will take you to the jet. We're about to do a Nike release in Kenya with Kipchoge uh, for the new Nike Nomad shoes that just released for me. Right. And uh, is that I, well? That's not really that hasn't okay. obviously, that hasn't really happened. <laughs> I was living the vision. Yeah, <laughs> this is the thing. This is the thing. But it's like it's going to happen, right? Because like what I create in my mind will become a reality, right? But so when I would first text him crazy stuff like this, he's like, "Oh, you're crazy." I said, "Hey, man, like watch this." No, 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 no. <laughs> I said respectfully, "Don't ever tell me I'm crazy." Only the only way you can respond is is if you're in the movie itself. Just tell me, okay, I'm going to the airport. I need you to be a part of the movie. That's it. And so like, like in, in, in creating these scenes, right? My mom even said sometimes, she's like, you sometimes you're living in a fantasy world, but I'm, I'm not. Well, maybe I am, but you have to create a fantasy world and Before, then it becomes a reality. Amen. That's it. Every single thing that exists around us, every single product, house, building, book, whatever it is, it was first conceptualized and idealized in somebody's head exactly. period that's it that's it so you can literally do whatever you want and i think that if people get into that creative mode i keep saying this right because lately i've been thinking about this like for you and i right we're like oh yes dream that's great etc 
but I think it's we're also willing to put the work in, right? We know that with big visions comes like a, a large amount of, of, of work as well. A lot of people, going back to the gym example, they have the big vision, but not the big work, right? So that's why we, we love creating. We love, we're like, because we're also just addicted to the process, right? So like we were talking about philosophies uh, earlier and I was talking about mantras and I was talking about manifestation. And so like part of that mantras too is like, uh, I live by like 2% like better every day everybody talks about one percent um yeah i always looked at that as well i was like isn't that a lot like one percent it is what's it is. the difference but so two percent is do more than what's expected but you have to still make it make sure it's sustainable right a lot of people go zero to 100 for a week and then they stop like mm. what, what what was the point right if you can just do more than what's expected every day but still make sure it's sustainable then you just keep making progress and so everyone's like what's the goal Right. But for me, with two percent, it's like there, there's like the, the only goal is progress. Right. Because I think life is an infinite game. And I was watching some like show or, or documentary or something. It was maybe it was a documentary because I don't know, it was like or YouTube something. Right. And it was like a what what's that like a TED talk or something? Okay, yeah. yeah, it was a TED talk. And uh, I forgot who, who said it, but the guy was like, life is an infinite game. And I was like, this is exactly what two percent better represents it's just progress every single day right uh as you get more exposure you have bigger visions as those visions get closer you're like let me do something more right you just constantly keep making progress towards these uh goals i'm glad that you're saying that because this is the sentiment that i've had for for very long time for many years over a decade and it was very hard to formulate and explain that to my friends and you know family uh, when they would be asking, okay, so, you know, what do you want to do? And and I would just say, I just want to be better. That's literally I just, it. I just, I just <laughs> want to be better. I just always want to progress. And it's so funny how it actually doesn't matter as human beings what it is we're working towards as long as we are challenging ourselves and as long as we are seeing this progress. Whenever that is lacking, oh, that, you, I, I'm not going to say it's a depression, but it's it's a very dreadful feeling. Oh, it's yeah. a very lousy feeling when you're just stagnant, especially if you're stagnant for your own fault, because of your own fault, because you're lagging, because you're holding back. Exactly. Because you feel like, man, I'm not really reaching but I my could, full potential. Which is the worst. But I have the capability to. Yeah. That's, that is, oh, that's bad. That's bad. <laughs> that's okay. Bad. Talking about <laughs> potential and capabilities. Walk me a little bit through your um, professional journey, through your career journey. Oh, yeah. Uh, so my career journey. So I started in consumer products. So I, I like when I first started, we used to always just say like I sold like dead chicken and literally I did. What? <laughs> I sold dead chicken. Dead Li chicken. Yeah. Hey guys, I have a very exciting announcement to make. I've started working with my very first sponsor and it's none other than drumroll Momo Kombucha. Our own London-based, locally produced, healthy and delicious kombucha that I've been a fan of since I first tried it. For those of you who know me, you know that I'm obsessed with my health, but at the same time, I'm a devout foodie, and nothing will make me renounce tasty food and drink. Unfortunately, most delicious drinks are full of sugar and other additives that are not good for your health. This is why I love Momo so much. It's delicious, so it curbs my cravings for snacks, and healthy, as it contains loads of probiotics that are great for your gut. If you'd like to try it yourself, use the discount code IsThisIt15 
to get a 15% off of your first order. Like okay. actual food, right? Okay. So um, it was a company in America called you know, Tyson Foods. And so at Tyson Foods, I was like a salesman or sales rep initially. So when I was a sales rep, I was on our Walmart account and we were just literally selling chicken packages uh, to Walmart. Obviously, on a, on, a, on a much larger scale than like going in there and selling chicken, but that, th I mean that was my that was my job. So I I moved up in the company, uh, you know, quite quite quickly uh, to to a regional sales manager. I had like three promotions in a year and a half. It was cool. Like I I had like car allowance. I had I, I bought like different real estate properties and all that. But I was twenty three, and it was it was it was cool. But in America, that's like the American dream. And I said, if the American dream was this easy, you're American. Yeah, yeah, I'm American. Mm -hmm. So I was like, if the American dream was this easy to like what else accomplish, is there? like there, there must be much more to this thing. So then I was working like very late at night on like this company called Minty. And so Minty was a software that connected university students to uh, alumni to aid in mentorship, right? Mm. Uh, so I quit my job at- I had to connect you to somebody. Oh, perfect, We'll talk about perfect. that later. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> so um, I quit my job at like 23. And I went to live on my friend's couch in New York. And I, I told him I would pay him like $400 a month. And like, he, he, this guy changed my life to me. Okay. Well, two of them, right? Uh, my friend Mundo and my friend Christian, I am probably forever indebted to them because I think they actually believed in me when maybe I didn't even believe in myself. I just had like a vision, right? I guess maybe what I believed in myself. Uh, well, in, in that time, it was like, all right, I'm going to build Minty into like, something crazy like facebook or something mm. right every every entrepreneur especially when you're young you're like oh this is gonna be crazy this is the this next, is gonna be the next google <laughs> exactly exactly so i just went there i uh i was living on uh, his couch for a bit but i didn't want to stay there for forever right and i was trying to make some money and get investment and like all these things um so lived, lived there for a bit um ended up getting some investors out of uh, san francisco uh, to, to invest in the company, like different resources, capital, all that type of stuff. It was uh, uh, Google Ventures and then GSV Labs out of the Bay Area. So ended up moving to San Francisco to work on that company. It did not turn out to be Google, <laughs> uh, unfortunately, but we have more shots on go, so that's okay. Okay, um, biggest lesson you learned from that journey? That lesson was like a lot of different things. Like in the early stages, I had a, a co-founder that was like one of my really good friends. I think we, we were me and him were probably the smartest people in our uh, class, like in college for like economics. Uh, that's what I studied. And so we joined in, right? But we were also in two different life phases as well. Um, and I think we didn't set the expectations right from one another and we should have, right? And I should have understood more about him. What, what were the differences? So he, he had like uh, a kid, mm -hmm. right? He was leaving his job. Uh, at that time, I was leaving my job as well. That was the thing. But there was, I, I, and our working styles were different. He was more like very research focused and like wanted to have very clear alignment on things, which I think is actually incredibly uh, good. Me, uh, if I have 70% of it, I'm going to make it look like I have 100, mm -hmm. right? I'm just a throw it against the wall and see if it sticks kind of person. Um, and so I think we should have talked a bit more and to like how, the, how those things uh, complemented each other. But I don't believe we even had that insight because we were coming from of corporate course. backgrounds, yeah. right? And so we didn't even know how do we work independently without like a company behind us, except we are the company. I think that was one. Uh, two, 
really kind of getting, I, I started to go head to head with the company that actually wanted to like uh, buy me, uh, not just the company at that time, but like, I guess some of the assets and things like that. Uh, but wanted me to join their team. They raised like 7 million at that time. And they were three, like three people or something like that. Uh, so that I probably should have just taken that opportunity. Mm. But then again, I don't know. I probably, maybe I shouldn't have because I've, no, I've, I've done all this yeah, other yeah. stuff. Hindsight, you know, <laughs> hindsight, right? But I think I should have like looked at it, in that opportunity in that moment. I should have looked at the the landscape a, a bit more. With universities, they typically are buying what other universities buy. They're not that focused on the technology and innovation and all these things. They had a very good hold on the market. In that time, we were going head to head on a lot of contracts and. A lot of people said our technology was like better than theirs in some places. And so I was like, all right, great. Let's like just compete. And mm. I realized the fact that they had a lot of uh, great company or great uh, universities signed up already. A lot of the universities just signed up even if they didn't like the technology, which yeah. their technology was started to become like much better uh, just because other schools were doing it. And it's like. It's also so understanding the market psychology and yeah. also not getting into unnecessary competitiveness by default. Exactly, exactly. Okay. And then, uh, so yeah, I, I would say like understanding your co-founders like skill sets and kind of how you all work best, especially thinking about like how do you work independently. A lot of people are quitting jobs in order to start companies, and they've never actually worked without like a company or a manager or different resources and all those type things. I also like got office space, right? Which I think was actually a good thing. Uh, I was working out of WeWork before it was like even cool, I would say. Uh, and so we were working out of WeWork. We got really cool like discounts and all this stuff because they couldn't fill spaces. It was like at that time with WeWork. But I would say you don't, you can negotiate like office space and all this stuff. And th negotiate there's no reason. Rates. Yeah, yeah you, you can negotiate rates. You can find spaces that will allow you to work there nearly for free. Uh, but I think at that time, it, it was it was really great because I, I was like in a, entering a new space from selling dead chicken to technology, which mm -hmm. is drastically different. So it allowed me to meet a lot of people. One of a guy that I look up to, he's been a client of mine and all these things as well. Uh, I met him through the space. So Okay, so chicken to technology to then what? Uh, chicken to technology to, I'm still doing technology stuff, uh, but then now like entering ath athlete mode, I would say. Okay. So becoming an athlete, trying to do more stuff in health and wellness as well. As would you, would you classify that as career? rather than I would say yes now only because I didn't realize how much opportunity there is for athletes now in this space right okay um, so let's delve deeper into that how does fitness become a career for somebody that's not a born athlete yeah um I think one like content cre creation a lot of people and I guess this like content in general right but finding a niche is is critical so i think from like a content creation standpoint somebody's going to resonate with you in some capacity right you don't have to be the fastest runner you don't have to be the most fit person okay let's give a little bit of context so how did you so you kept doing tech yeah then where are you with tech and how do you transition into yeah so athletics? right now with tech um i just have a b2b sales consulting firm uh, so we help companies with go-to-market strategy and then also with sales development reps, um, helping them like scale their sales teams or sell their products to uh, different entities. So that's what like in sales automation and stuff. So that's what I'm doing now. 
which is cool. I like it. I, I really enjoy it. Uh, but now I'm moving more into like, all right, what is a technology platform? That's more like a services company, right? Like now I'm moving into what is like a, a technology platform that enables like the amateur athlete to have a curated team around them to help optimize their performance and meet like-minded people. And that's something you thought about after you got yourself into athletics? Or? Yeah, that's something I thought about after athletics. Okay, so it's, okay. it's kind of just continuously evolved as I got deeper into one running and just like more fit because I started to realize what I needed as I was traveling and doing different things. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, hey, like, I think a lot of people think that as an athlete, you have all these people around you. And it costs loads and loads of money. But I have like a team of people around me every day, but they live all over the world. So it's not like incredibly, it's not cheap, but it's also not like incredibly expensive either. Mm -hmm. But I think all these people around me make me 10x better of a person. Okay. Um, and so I think that if the amateur athlete or even average person can find a way to curate a team around them, they they become incredibly like much I more successful. Very much subscribed to this idea. I'm very yeah. curious. We're gonna delve yeah. into that for sure. For sure. But so first, tell me how you got into fitness. W were you always into fitness? Did you well, I, I in, in high school uh, I did play like American football, so I was into fitness mostly because it was like something to do at school. I wouldn't say I was actually mentally into fitness. I was more like into. Did you drop it afterwards? Yeah, because I just went to college and then like my most competitive. Uh, game was beer pong at that point. <laughs> so, like, okay. <laughs> you know, because I know you you dropped fifty pounds. Yeah. And when was that? So when the pandemic first started, yeah, we were like all locked in the house and all these things. Uh, so I was I actually ended up I was I was in Colombia at the time, and then everybody was talking about this pandemic and it was crazy, and I was like, maybe I should go back to America for like just a little bit. So I, the plan was to go back for two weeks. So I went back to America. I was living in like Miami, mm -hmm. uh, a little bit outside of Miami. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to, um, cause in Florida, right. I went to college in Florida. Like when people are from Miami, they're from Miami. Like this was Dania beach, right? okay. which is not Miami. It's okay, like okay. a little bit like North of, of Miami. You're like fact checkers are going to be on my back. Exactly. If I don't specify. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and so, um, I was living there, uh, for a bit with my friend, Brian and, we were just like super bored. So we started one, like going more intense on Spanish because we needed to learn Spanish anyway because we were going to live in South America, Spain, all these type things. And we ended up doing that. And then also we just needed to get out of the house. And okay. so I started just running just a little bit every day because I needed to like What shape stay were sane. you in then? Oh, I was so bad. I, was, <laughs> I mean, I was still drinking almost every day because like I probably shouldn't say this, but in the pandemic, we were having like quite a few parties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we did have a pool and I had friends in Florida. Okay, so COVID parties, like, COVID parties. Yeah, it wasn't too good. Too much eating, too much drinking. Yeah, and I mean, every every day we would like freak out. We were like, do we have COVID? This is this might be bad. <laughs> is <laughs> every is day. this COVID or is it just a me hangover. not being in shape? <laughs> yeah, or yeah, or like not being in shape. It was so many factors, okay. right? And so uh, I was in bad shape. Like I was probably, I was eating super unhealthy. I was still like drinking quite a bit. I don't really drink at all now. Actually, I don't drink at all. It, even then, I don't really drink at all. It's like I don't drink right okay. now. And I couldn't even run one mile, honestly. Uh, I would run and walk the first mile. And I couldn't even, so our Never goal. Never been a runner. No, okay. no, especially not distance. And so my goal, there was a beach, like maybe I would say a mile and a half to two miles away from our house. And so the goal was always to run fully to the beach and back, right? That, that was just the goal at that time. And so 
I couldn't even make it to the beach at first, but I was just like, oh, I'll just keep trying every day. And so finally I made it to the beach. Then I made it to the beach and a little bit back. Then I made it to the beach and halfway back. Then I made it to the beach and all the way back. And I started to lose weight, right? I was still drinking and all that stuff. So I was losing weight, but not as much weight as I probably could have. But I was I started to become motivated, right? And uh, going back to the 2% better piece. Because you I see just, results and then. Exactly. Yeah. And so back to the 2% better piece, I was just like, just start doing it every day, just a little bit. Like, even if you have to walk. Like, like for example, I couldn't, I couldn't just stop. I had to walk all the way back as well, right? So I would run, walk back, run, walk back. And I would just keep getting farther and farther every time. And then I just got sick of being like in Dania Beach. And I said I wanted to like travel like around the middle part of America. And so I needed to keep fitness at the forefront. And so I met some of my friends in Boise, Idaho. And we went to this gym that was like very intense, like sprint interval type training type stuff. And like uh, it was free. So we all did it at 4 a.m nice yeah so that like and that kind of kept kept up with the fitness journey so when did that become you running marathons and you being backed by brands <laughs> oh yeah i think i think that was a time interval and how this is what i'm really curious about is how do you go from okay from a person that doesn't care about health to a person that is really on top of it and is running every day i can see that you know it's all about it's all about your mindset it's all about where you put your priorities it's all about yeah. your habits motivation you know the bigger vision i can see that how does then that become something professional where you could say that's a part of my career now yeah so i i think that just become i think this also with like the the, the uh you know entrepreneurial mind i think initially as you start doing something you have a bigger vision yes so as i got started getting deeper into running and honestly in london that's when i was like whoa the running community is crazy before i got to london i had no idea people had coaches and all this stuff and like people were like i used to run a 5k or 10k with my family right but not like we're walking we're running we're getting the meadow and we're celebrating it's great quality right? family time quality family time but i didn't know people were like in the front running very fast you know i had no idea that happened so this was last year actually i i came here last year and my friend challenged me to run a marathon at the end of last year as well so i saw that there was a half marathon going on in london i'm doing one on sunday oh yes first yes. one ever yes you're very excited it. by the way i have not trained aside three runs in a park <laughs> oh wow. so we'll see how that goes i'm sure you'll be fine. i'm very interested so so this is very relevant right now what yeah, you're telling exactly. me about like coaches and teams okay okay, okay. yeah yeah so, we'll so, so so i came to london and i was doing the hackney half marathon and actually so i get a lot of tattoos uh in turkey and so well this is a there's a couple of things of how this all transpired so i was living in south africa at the time right for like two months and i was running there for a bit i was just trying to stay fit Right. I started training with a trainer there to stay fit. And I was trying to run fast, but short distance. Right. And then I went to Rwanda because I, I saw this thing in a museum and I wanted to learn about uh, genocide and why this happened and all these type things. So I went to Rwanda. But but in Rwanda, there's a lot of hills. Right. So I was running on one of the hills and I got like an ITV, uh, mm. like poor infection or whatever you call it. And I was like, man, like what in the world is going on? But as you're traveling, you're not trying to go to doctors and all this type stuff all the time. Right. So I just started researching like, all right, how to prevent this, how to make it better and all these type things. And so um, I started just 
doing it myself. And then I went to Turkey. I got like tattoos and all these things. I was working on it, working on it, working on it there. I wasn't running at all. But then I was, then I signed up for the Hackney Half, right? When I came to London, I realized that there was a physio, right? That I could uh, talk to about the ITB ban. I was telling him some of my times that I ran before, like, but I was just like gunning it, like, like into some of my training runs. He's like, oh, have you ever thought about a coach, man? And then that's how I like met my coach now and all these type of things. And then I started seeing like there were run clubs here and all this type of stuff. So I would say like kind of going back to your question on how does it start to like turn into something that you can probably monetize and all that type of stuff. I think it's one, just like getting deeper into the running space or whatever space you're in. And then three, being around people, right, that are like kind of connecting you and listening to the world in some capacity on like where you should go next, right? So he was like, oh, you should think about a coach. And the coach emailed me and I was like, oh yeah, this is, this is great. I'll, <laughs> I'll check him out. Right. And then I went to run club, um, at that run club. They're like, oh, I, I started seeing people like running influencers. I had no idea what that was, you know, running influencers. Yeah. Okay. There's people that are like running, uh, and people are just watching. Like, I mean, now like people are questioning me now on Instagram with like running and stuff like, Hey, what shoes should I get? How do I get faster? And like all these type things. So I started seeing this community of running influencers where like now brands are working with them. People are interested in their journey. And by the way, I think a lot of this happened throughout the pandemic mm -hmm. because People I started running, running for the first time during pandemic. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so now I'm seeing like, um, I did Kilimanjaro last year, which was cool. And like a lot of people are like doing ultra marathons and like all these challenging things. Uh, and brands are working with them to one, amplify their their like their messaging or, or whatever. Uh, but then also like supporting athletes doing outrageous things, right? And so that's how it's kind of evolved now. And I'm, I'm still defining what that looks like and how I want to go about doing that. But right now I'm focused strictly on running. Then I'll probably move into triathlons and then probably in my forties or something, go into like ultras and just crazy challenges around the world. Uh, Cause I, like I, that I love you have traveling. this long-term vision already planned out. Yeah. So for now you're running, are you running marathons? Or uh, half marathon and marathon as yeah. well. So I have a marathon uh, in April, Man Manchester. Marathon. Very exciting. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so for you, was it that some brands reached out to you or did you reach out to some brands? What what was first? I don't know. I think it was me. I think it was a kind of a combination of both. Mm -hmm. Like I started just building like relationships. Honestly, the same way I did it in startup, right? I was just like, let me just put myself in these atmosphere and see what happens. And so like they're cool people and I like to think I'm decently cool. And so we just started, <laughs> we kind of started hitting it off. Mm -hmm. And then things start just kind of spiraling, uh, you know, from there. So it was kind of like a combination of them both. Like I would go to some of the events or some of the run clubs or whatever it may be. Uh, and then I would just start meeting people that then started connecting the dots. So now we're in like, I think, a heavy momentum stage of like what this could look like down the line. Because you've been uh, sponsored by or working with Under Armour, you said now. Yeah, yeah. So I'm working with Under Armour right now for Manchester Marathon, which is crazy still in my head because I, again i had no idea that that could happen right yeah and now i'm thinking about this for other races like oh like how can i continuously work with under armor or like what other brands can i work with to one magnify kind of the things that like i'm trying to do and accomplish hopefully inspire others and then also like on the 
like a longer term thing of this. I'm trying to do more like philanthropic type of things as well. Mm-hmm. So now I'm trying to create like how do we bring this all together from like a tech and athlete and like a giving perspective uh, also while traveling right <laughs> there are about four <laughs> directions that i want to take this. yes 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 <laughs> okay so first to kind of close off the brand sponsorship um collaboration topic so for somebody that's not in this industry how how does your for example if you're able to talk about the under armor one or maybe let's if you're not about a hypothetical one so yeah I don't is it know that I... they so uh, say a, a brand would then come to you and you know pay you for running under their brand yeah that's ultimately what it kind of comes down to and like there's some requirements like maybe different posts or feedback on their equipment information sharing more information about their brand things like that like basically how do you magnify or amplify their message in your community right I guess it all goes back to uh, what you mentioned in the beginning as well of having this niche and this unique story. That's how you also become interesting to these brands and to even your potential followers and people that you inspire. For sure. And I think that's why people should like chase their dreams, right? Because it's all... Your dreams make you unique. That's the thing. Like the thing is there's no like right or wrong way to approach life or your dreams, right? But somebody's going to resonate with some part of your story, right? Maybe it's the courage you have. Maybe it's your actual weight loss or I don't know how you become more beautiful or whatever it may be, right? Somebody's going to resonate with some part of your journey in some capacity. So just like start. And then I think there's two parts of it. Start and then there's one share. And I'm still getting in that share part uh, because sometimes when you're going through your journey, you feel like, oh, this is normal. Like everybody would do this. But no, like most people won't. And I think it's also really good to show others that they can. A lot of people think that when they see things, obviously you see celebrities and all these people kind of at the end of their journey, but no one or very few people see people throughout their journey. Yeah. You know? And I think if you think about different artists that you resonate with in the music world, the most artists that the artists that I resonate with most are the ones that I go through the journey with them. And I'm like, oh, I can't believe like, I remember they had 2,000 followers. Now this person's like, that's crazy. That's very, very true. And another thing that I think about celebrities often is that, you know, when we when we admire them, when we put them on a pedestal saying, oh, they're there and I'm just here. It's like they've, they've had to go through that journey of often also doing things that are not necessarily them ultimately you know yeah. even like if we look at lady gaga for example right yeah, yeah. the type of music that she was she started with versus the type of music that she does now and i've seen several stars you know have that type of journey like now at the not at the end but like at the current point of their long career they're making very very different type of art and music maybe you know movies whoever it is and arguably that's the real them yeah but they had to start somewhere so i think it's worth emphasizing how it's important to just start. Yeah, because you <laughs> to, evolve, you iterate, right? Yeah, and if <laughs> you're not able to, you know, start from that point where you know the peak of your vision is, it would be weird if you could. Yeah, like you're not you're not meant to start from Mount Everest. No, like no. you're meant to start from the bottom. But I think that everyone's so oftentimes so so focused on that like limelight that they see these other people, successful people, stars, whatever, be on. It's like, but it took them how long? Like it took them decades probably. Oh yeah. If you're just starting, like relax. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a friend, right? Right. Um, I posted this on my Instagram, I don't know, maybe yesterday or something. 
they raised a hundred million dollars twice actually like this was the second time they've done it and i'm sure he's he's like maybe 36 right so i'm sure people like oh he's so young how do you do that like me and him were literally sleeping in a co-working space together in uh california you know like maybe that was six years ago or something so it's like he deserves that he like and by the way he was sleeping on couches and stuff even before we were doing that mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah. like we were eating three dollar burritos at like around 11 to 12 so we could have brunch right yeah, 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 yeah. uh and then at night we would go to free events to get food right because they had free food free beer all this type of stuff and now he's raised 100 million dollars right that's the belief crazy. in the resilience and trust in your own power and vision that you need to have to endure that for an extended amount of time is commendable. Yeah. There's, um, so in South Africa, right? It's, you talk about this duration of time. So in South Africa, uh, it's Nelson Mandela, right? And I, he was in, he was locked up for 27 years. And I was just so blown away when I was on Robben Island because it's like in 27 years, he still came out with the same vision he had when he went in. And I said, if I can have the resilience and focus of Nelson Mandela, I'd be dangerous. World is your oyster. Yes. To have that level of focus for 27 years when they're trying to control everything that you've done, to be that mentally resilient, it's hard to beat someone like that. Very, very true. I want to talk a little bit about your nomadic lifestyle. Yes, yes. Very <laughs> curious about that. So we've touched a little bit about your career, about the fitness and what you're doing now with the athletics. So you don't have a home. No, no. How, how is that possible? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, I live out of Airbnbs and hotels all throughout the year. Sometimes it might be a couple nights, whatever it may be, because I just want to see a city quickly or whatever it may be. Uh, or I stay in Airbnbs. Uh, for me, I, it, it allows me to have like freedom of mind and space. Like I can end it whenever like I I want and I don't and by the way I need to be inspired by different things throughout the world constantly Mm. as well so yeah yeah I live out of Airbnb I've been doing this for like five years or so five years yeah yeah it's it's actually crazy because the, the, the way this actually started was one I was living so my 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 cousin he had a flight pass right and so he was like, hey, man, come on as my companion, et cetera, et cetera. So I did that. Um, sorry, what's a flight pass? A flight pass, sorry. Uh, a flight pass is, means that I could like fly for an extremely discounted rate when I was living in America, right? And he put me on as his companion. I was like working remote at the time too. Like I was just, at, at that point I had, I had like a, a, I'm part of like a software development company out of South America. Uh, we do like, uh, we just help startups build their technology product and all these type things. Uh, so I was getting like a good amount of cash that came in from there. And yeah, I didn't need to really be anywhere or really. So you had the freedom to travel and now travel costs nothing. So you were even more incentivized to travel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I assume I can imagine you were, um, you know, putting all the accommodation expenses through your company. So that became. Yeah. So it was it was great. (laughs) But 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 the thing was the thing was 24, 25. uh, At this time, I was like 25, 26. Mm -hmm. But at this time, I was leaving California. And I would maybe go to like Europe for a week or like maybe two weeks. Mm-hmm. Then I would come back. Then I would leave again. Then I would come back. Then I would leave again. And I would come back. But I, had, I was paying rent in California. 
So I was like, man, my friend said, hey, man, like, if you can be anywhere, why are you here? Right. My friend Brian that I actually lived with in, in Daniel Beach as well. He's doing all of this now as well. Okay. So it's, it's crazy. It's he followed really cool. your footsteps. Yeah. I, I think we, we inspired each it. other mm-hmm. in some in some capacities. Right. In, in different ways, because he was working a job. but He's like, why are you here? He's like, if I had your setup, I would be gone. So my friend ended up getting a travel nurse assignment in California and I had my car. You had to like move your car all the time. I was getting like tickets or whatever <laughs> because I was gone, right? And I was like, I'm not going to move my car, like whatever. Mm-hmm. And so she ended up doing a travel assignment for maybe three, four months. And so I was like, hey, stay at my house. You can drive my car. You can do all these things, whatever. But if you pay my rent or half of my rent, I forgot the, the agreement, then I'll just travel and kind of see what this looks like if I stay somewhere for a month. And I was sitting on the couch one day and I ended up going to uh, Santiago, Chile, right? And that was like the kickoff to my nomadic journey, which was also crazy because I'm in, I'm in Chile. At that time, I couldn't speak like any Spanish at all. And the Spanish there is like different. Like I was with a friend from Spain. Uh, like I met them there and they, uh, they just spoke to them in English because it was just too challenging, <laughs> like, uh, like uh, accent wise or whatever. And so that was my first kickoff to nomadic life. Mm. I was living in some, it was. And you loved it. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> Never I looked like, back. I was like, man, I'm in this country. I don't know anyone. And I started meeting people online at this website called Nomad List. And I just started meeting, <laughs> mm-hmm. I just started meeting random people who were like, oh yeah, I've been living like this. I met a guy from Croatia, a girl from Spain, like all these people just like kind of like-minded, like why be tethered down to one place? And it changed changed my life actually now that i'm thinking about it like really changed my life right um because actually at that time in chile there was like a riot that broken out because uh they were like uh, raising the cost of the train system and the salaries were still staying the same so it was going to be a dramatic impact to like the everyday worker and so there was like there was like pepper spray in the streets my eyes were burning there were there were people like Jesus. burning a sign i was like this is crazy time to go yeah well <laughs> next, yeah i actually did yeah but i didn't go home though yeah i went to it's peru a, okay <laughs> and so uh my mom was calling me what are you doing this is crazy so and basically for five years you've just been going place to place to place yeah. explored all of all all the world all the yeah. cultures all i the would places. say not all the world yet but uh a lot of it you're, you're on yeah. track yeah okay i have a lot of questions so it's been five years first of all are you still on track are you loving it are you thinking yeah. about changing it I'm I'm loving it, but but with running, I have to be more still for longer durations of time. However, your sentiment towards the nomadic lifestyle has not changed. No, I think okay. it's just the best way to live by far. Okay. Because um, at least for me, if I live in one place too long, I get, I get too comfortable, and you should never be comfortable in life because life is constantly changing, right? Um, I have a tattoo on my leg of a Maasai a woman. Uh, it's a tribe out of Kenya, Tanzania, uh, as well, and they are nomadic even to this day right they're nomadic around their like like actual like area right but i think that humans well i guess you always have like nomadic people and settlers and all these things but i think humans should be nomadic or at least a large part of them because we have to adapt to different things in the world all the time and we also have to be inspired by different things at every moment and so sometimes like london is great because I like the city life, it's cool, awesome. I'm meeting really inspiring people, all of that type of stuff. 
but sometimes I need to like live in Zanzibar when I'm at the beach and I'm hanging out with these uh, like young kids that do this diving and they're bringing fresh fish and like that. Sometimes I just need to like be more calm, you know? It's so beautiful to be able to see all sides of life like this. Yes. I'm very inspired. I've always been one of those people that have fantasized about this type of life yeah. for sure. And I even remember in this, this might be even like seven, eight years ago, this kind of nomadic like blog post type lifestyle i was reading about i was like this is awesome this is amazing but i guess it's also you know how you're set up you know there's levels of doing it yeah um which goes back to kind of structure and and how you're actually able to do your work which i'm gonna get to but what about things like feeling grounded having roots what about your relationships do you have a relationship are is it sustainable Um, to have a relationship if you're doing that is that even important to you? I don't know. Maybe that so you don't I, care. I would say this. So I am dating someone in London and I was like, we were together, like actually together. Now we're dating because it, it is challenging. Mm-hmm. It is challenging to say the least. Right. So before I was not dating at all, like, like not like I wasn't even thinking about it. And then so I met like my partner here. We were uh, like hanging out initially. Then it became like we were living together. But then it's like. It's it's like in this life, you oftentimes uh, when some people feel you're not, you don't have limitations. For example, some people, if they can work remote, but in their country, they think that's freedom. That is not. That still is limitations, right? Just because you don't have to be in the office, like whatever, but you have to be in your country. That's limiting, right? For me, I can't live with any rules. I can't live with any boundaries. I Like no one can tell me to do or say anything right and so i think in like a relationship dynamic um sometimes there are like rules and all these things i don't do well with that and it's like not like even the other individual's fault right in fact i think Just it's mine principle. right and, and, and in fact i think it's mine because uh like with this lifestyle i don't really um listen to rules of anywhere Right. Like it, through the pandemic, I but was you traveling. Make your own rules and you I make, make your my own, own life, rules. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I don't look at I, I look at what I want to do. I don't look at what I can do. Right. So, for example, like during the pandemic, as, as an American, I shouldn't get into Spain. Like, but I wanted to go to Spain. So no one's going to tell me I can't go to Spain. So I paid for a, a Spanish school there. I got into the country. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> some of the logistics, but I got into the country. And then I deferred it just in case I needed it again. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Because like, like there's no rules, right? So I think that there is, there is a way to have partnership. I, I don't, I don't know if I figured that out, honestly, though, to be, to be honest on, on, on that point. But also I think the challenging part is you're also okay with being by yourself because most of the time, That's the challenging part. well, it's challenging because with partnership, it's like, I think a lot of times people want you to be like, people want to feel needed or wanted in a partnership right Definitely. i don't need or want that honestly to feel needed i will i don't need to i don't need make to make f- other person both mm. i don't need to feel needed and i don't need that in my life right it's more like cool if it's there cool if it's not but it's hard to explain that to someone but if you're living in turkey right and you're no one is speaking english and you're by yourself for months right or you're in spain in some random spot right or you're in 
Eastern Europe in Montenegro for a month. You know no one. Everyone's looking at you like you're ridiculous for even being there. You've been by yourself so long, <laughs> right? You start to get in extremely comfortable with who you are, what you bring to the table. You become whole, right? So, and you also value like a lot of time of isolation. So um, while some people need that time together, a lot of my relationships have been built virtually as well, right? My team is in South America and Eastern Europe. I've been talking to them on computers constantly, and I feel like we have great relationships, even if I see them once a year, right? So sometimes I don't have that uh, desire, and I, I also maybe, unfortunately, I don't see it as valuable to spend like loads of time with someone uh, to have like a connection with them. Right. I think a lot of relationships are built more on depth than, than time. A lot of people look at time. For example, I can spend two weeks with someone and have like an incredibly in-depth understanding of them that maybe their family doesn't even understand uh, because I focus a lot on depth and just understand that the time that we have together is enough. This is so interesting because I guess it brings us to the topic of, well, what is a relationship? You know, these yeah. days when we have such accessibility of whoever digitally well is that a real relationship can we say that you know a digital relationship is a real relationship and of course you you know presumably would have met the people and i agree with you that it's it's about depth and intensity of of an interaction that counts and builds the relationship uh rather than the time past absolutely for example my two best friends none of them live in this country yeah but but i do feel that i wish i could hug them oh yeah for you know sure. i wish i could see them in person like there is some level of physical proximity that just is irreplaceable, at least to me. So how how do you navigate that? Yeah, uh, I think it's just like creating space for it, mm. really. Like I think like again, you can do trips with them. Maybe it's quarterly, maybe it's twice a year, whatever you need, right? Uh, but for me, I don't need like that, that type of stuff every single day, you know. Every everything that I hear, it it's it's so. It's so amazing. Like, it's very interesting because I almost can feel that there's that level of freedom that you've achieved internally above all. And of course, you know, physically, you're not tied to any country. What about, just caveat, what about, you know, your stuff? Do you have things or like, uh, where so, do you keep your... <laughs> uh, well, before I started running, I had loads of running shoes now. I only have one suitcase. What? And And by the way, actually, I should talk about that because only having one suitcase and, and traveling is, is, is important as well for the, for the mind. Even going through the exercise of saying, what do I need to live uh, and fit in one suitcase? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm having anxious breathing right now. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> one suitcase, yeah. like more, what, where is your stuff? Is it all in that one? Do you just travel with that one suitcase? Is everything in that one suitcase? Do you have like storages? Do you have what? No, it would just be the one suitcase. Because I live, I live uh, more like a minimalistic lifestyle. No, so that's if incredible. It's, if, if it's cold, I would just buy a coat, right? If it's... Um, like, for example, these shoes, are, for example, I, I spent uh, $50 on them in Turkey because it was cold that day. And like, I, I don't need them every every day. Like now, now I do have like a lot of running oh, shoes because I'm like investing in that. But I only have two suitcases at that point. But yeah, because it's because it's like all I need is I, I wear the same type of shirts every day. What does the word freedom mean to you? Uh, freedom of like thinking. Like, what can I create with my mind when I wake up choosing to like do whatever I want to do? any day of the week choosing where i want to be 
and like what I want to say. Like that's why is that freedom. important? Why is freedom important to you? Because it's going back to like authenticity. Like I have to be my whole entire self. If I can't be my, I, 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 I talk about my friend Brian all the time. Uh, but I told me and him were talking about it. Like if you can't be yourself 100%, the cost is too high because you get one life. So if I can't be my entire self, I just rather not be it at all. So I have to have freedom to be that. I completely agree with you. Was there anything that happened to you early in your life that kind of triggered this craving for freedom, for authenticity? Uh, my mom. Oh my God. Like growing up, I would be with my mom all day because like my dad would be at work and all these things. My mom would go to the coffee. I go to coffee shops every day because my mom probably as well. My mom would go to the coffee shop. She'll go chill with one of her friends. She might hit the bookstore. She might decide to hit the beach that day. I'm like, Phew. mind you though, she's like in real estate, but she's also kind of like a stay-at-home mom, mm -hmm. right? But I'm like, Phew. I can figure that out. Like, I want to live like that too, you know? And yeah, I think that's kind of kind of sparked. And then I had a friend who I, I kind of look at it more like an older brother now. When I was 22, I was living in Philadelphia. It was like, he had, he had an art gallery. We were at the pool at like, noon and then he was at the beach for like a month i'm like dude when, when do you work man <laughs> and he's like man i don't work in the summer <laughs> and i nice. was like yo i need to live like this <laughs> hook me with some of that <laughs> exactly exactly so then um it's crazy because he he's talking to me now like man like bro it's crazy what you've done i'm like bro like you ignited this you know so i think it's like inputs from them where i was just like man i gotta keep so let's talk about the practicalities of this. How do you actually, if you're traveling all the time, yeah. you, you mentioned that you have a very strong structure and you have more routine yeah. than maybe your normal friends that are in nine to five jobs. Yeah, for sure. Talk to me about that. How do you get stuff done? Uh, so I have different uh, compartments on my day. Uh, so it's, I think it's like four compartments. Uh, the first one is mind and body. So the first part of my day, I focus on the gym. So I go do strength training, then I do a run, and then I do meditation. How long does that take you? Like two and a half to three hours. It's quite a long process. Are you uh, an early riser? Yeah. So I, I think I'll probably get to the gym at like 7.30. Like not super early, but like early enough. <laughs> <laughs> so I go there and sometimes 6.30. It just depends like where I'm at, to be fair. Like I, I, I live in Macedonia like six weeks of the year. Um, and there I go to the gym at 6.30. Right. And I do this whole thing. But yeah, th so that's like the first part of my day. The second part of my day is experimental learning. So I usually go to museums. I'm learning Swahili right now as well. Uh, so Swahili or language learning or something like that. Also things like this, right? Like just yeah. just doing like really cool things. Uh, I'm Keeps shooting like creative. Yeah, a like creative type thing because I'm, I'm like shooting more content now, which is super cool. I like creating that. And then I go into traditional work. I was going to say, where, where is the work part? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, I look at I look at it as, uh, you know, traditional work. Most times like people are just sitting at their job like, not really doing Fiddling much anyway jobs. but when i go into like traditional work i'm like heads down like deep 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 working how many hours are we talking uh i try not to keep i, I try not to have any part of my day more than three hours okay because i don't think it's like beneficial actually okay. and it goes back to the two percent uh you know philosophy like if you just do a little bit every day like you'll be fine and then also other parts of my day are kind of feeding into that so maybe when i'm exercising i'm actually thinking about like a deal structure or I'm thinking about like different tasks I need to do in the day or whatever it may be. So it's like all different parts of my day are feeding into my actual work. And then also, and then in that three hour like window of, I, I would say I, 
traditional work now that sports has kind of taken a little bit more time has kind of bled into kind of the experimental learning mostly because it's like i'm experimenting with like the content and all these mm. type of things so and like outreach to brands and still all learning that new things so that yeah. classifies yeah yeah so it's kind of like in that okay. same boat and then the last part of the day is community so i might like have dinner with friends uh go to a run club whatever maybe and you're able to do that anywhere anytime oh yeah every day yeah every every single day i i start my day i'll find a uh, like a, a coffee shop uh, it must be a local coffee shop though because uh, i believe like local entrepreneurs are like fighting hard to to stay there so i try to do, at least do my fair share there <laughs> so i go to a local coffee shop uh typically after two to three days they already know your order because you're there you're chatting them whatever so i go to that coffee shop typically by day two day three they're like oh hey carmichael what's up and then i go to the gym but i do Besides that size within uh, community already yeah which which already gives me that like sense of like oh belonging. You be yeah belonging absolutely and so you know the people there basically and then if you keep coming back which i, I go to these spots all the time i mean they they it's like it, it's it's actually crazy like when i go to south africa like it's it's like living in london i don't even technically live in london and it's like i have community here like if people came to these places with me same thing in macedonia when i go to macedonia it's like my family when i go there so it's it's like i have home in a lot of places i love the richness of that the breath of life and the culture that you're able to experience by doing yeah. that is absolutely incredible practically how if somebody is listening to this and they're yeah. like okay sounds like my cup of tea yeah, how yeah. do i get on that how long did it take you how many years did it take you what did it take you to be able to get to those three hours a day of work being sufficient for you to do this and actually i don't know if that's classified but how much do you need a month to be able to do that I of course it, it will depend it will depend. it would depend on your lifestyle yeah exactly honestly. on the lifestyle but yeah you know i mean I, to be fair like i might make a pretty good like amount of cash every month but i don't i try not to spend that much because mm -hmm. i try to like live in moderation mm -hmm. in london i spend much more because it's just an expensive city but i would say overall throughout the year you could easily live this life for by the way this is i think on the higher end mm -hmm. if you can make 5k a month you can live like this easily like because there's there's ways to do it much cheaper yeah right of course like but much you, let's cheaper. say you want to be comfortable like yeah. we're not talking like ultra luxury yeah like, but like moderate yeah you can nice. make you can make 5k a month and, and do this because you can there's like especially there's countries you can have a, a spot rented for a month for like 1000 you know and for example when i live in macedonia i might spend 1500 dollars that month maybe 2k yeah and i'm eating out every day my apartment is like $500. I have personal trainer. I'm getting massages twice a week, right? So it depends where you want to go. Like if you have 5K, you can, you can, you okay, can do this okay. easily. So how long did it take you to get to the point where you can work three hours a day? I, honestly, I, I don't really know like timing wise. I think it was more of a mindset shift. I said, if it takes more than this, I won't do it, right? Even if, even so if money is work. involved. Yeah. Even if more money is involved, I won't do it. Only because too. I wanted to, one, create the philosophy for my life that was scalable, that kind of was more in line with like 2% better and like how I want to live my life and also the different categories of it to what I believe is like a, a balanced person. And I wanted to go deeper into the sports long term. So I kind of took a step back on the work stuff because I wanted to invest more time in the athletic stuff to hopefully have that raise like in some way, like incremental income as well. 
where it allows me to still live my day in this format and still have large amounts of income long term. Right. So I think also people need to be willing to take a step back in order to take a step forward. Most people aren't. Yeah, people right. get comfortable, especially going through the life as you get older, you get used to your comforts. Yeah, but it's like, it's for me, I could just focus on business and probably like go way higher than I am now, right? But, but like, at what cost? Yeah, at what cost? Like I want to be able to be what I call like the renaissance man, good at everything. How do, how do I become the 1% in every category? Interesting. That's what I want to be. So rather than being, well, I was going to say, I was going to use the word genius, but however, Leonardo da Vinci was a genius and he, in it's fact, funny you talked about Leonardo exactly, da Vinci. he was he's a, he's a, a genius in many multiple yes. disciplines. And so that's, that's what like I'm striving to be, but you have to like put the time in. But he is not one percent. He's like hundred percent in like several. Yes. Yes. That's a tough that's, goal to reach. Yeah. But I'm saying the top 1% though. Mm, okay. Right. And so like in running, right? Like that takes loads of time. It takes it's gonna take loads of years to get to like where I want to be there. And like I'm okay with that, right? But I'm just putting in the work every day. That is so you know? calming to hear. <laughs> so I, I mentioned that earlier when you said that, okay, you know, when I'm in my forties, I'm gonna run yeah. ultra. It's so relaxing to for somebody that is sometimes I'll admit, you know, but a bit a lot hard on myself, you know, with goals and like the visions and things that I want to achieve. It's very calming to be able to hear that long term no pressure constant work attitude i mean it's like your life's gonna get better year by year yeah there's no rush it. basically yeah, there's no, no rush. rush mentality yeah like what's the point but if you create a philosophy that you can live by and be happy with why would you like for example if i had if i was making a million dollars a month right now i don't think i would change my life actually like Maybe I get a crazier Airbnb and have more friends over. That's and probably. that's an excellent benchmark of knowing that you are where you need to be. Yeah, exactly. It's like, this is the stuff. Like, if you create that life for yourself every day and you keep just working, you'll be fine. Amazing. Because you're already happy because you're happy where you are because you wouldn't change anything even if you, you know, a million dollars a month would be falling onto you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's a great place to be. I think there's, is there some taxation benefits as well of living this lifestyle yeah uh at least for like an american i don't, I don't know like what in the uk and things but uh you, you get like a foreign earned income tax credit as well if you're not in the u.s for 330 days or something like that mm -hmm. uh so that's also why i don't really go back to america i don't know there's like there's all these other tax benefits too i'm, I'm still by the way i'm still learning about all these yeah. things I, I know about that because like I've actually taken advantage of that one, but I'm not sure like there's so many different ways. And now there's like now accountants that I'm like talking to and like tax lawyers and things specifically focused on like more nomadic type of people. Because I think more and more people are living this type of life. Right. I think a lot of people talk about like, well, what about kids? Or like, it's like, yeah, like they will they will and can live similar lives as well. Uh, because there's more communities like this that, mm -hmm. that have kids and maybe they're traveling more as tribes, uh, but their kids are maybe learning remote. Or yeah, I had a guest recently. Um, she's a homeschooling mom of, of two oh, nice. and she's she's not a nomad, but she that's what she's chosen. Yeah. And so I think that can be a very great type of setup and learning for kids, regardless, even if you're traveling or not. So if you can just incorporate those two, then that could potentially be a very 
again, cultural enriching, educational, and just, you know, personality building for the kids. Yeah. And I don't know. I think this is, to me, this is the way the world will be in the future, right? Like now you can connect with people from everywhere, right? Like you're somebody that's more like-minded could be in like Botswana right now, you know, and like you all hit it off. And you can be there tomorrow, right? So the world is more global and like intertwined than it's ever been. I'm feeling my own views expanded from this conversation. I'm very happy. I'm very happy that we're having this. It's it's almost like I can I can feel and you know, it's I check in with this regularly myself as well, but I think we reminders. The importance of reminders is just unparamount and it's unparalleled. And this is also why I'm making this podcast because we all know all things that we should be doing. We just we just forget them yeah. because of all the things that we're doing every day. Exactly. So it's it's good to have reminders in in forms of mantras, in forms of podcasts, in forms of you know content that you consume that is good for you that reminds you of those important things that are beneficial to you. So what I was trying to say is this conversation just made me realize once again of all the unnecessary rules and frameworks yeah. that. I have around me that are in place that are kind of holding me back from what could be and there's absolutely no necessity for them like there is no reason for them to exist it is just because i'm moving by inertia yeah of decisions that i've made in the past and oftentimes like all of our lives and our presence are built on moments like that like our brain is lazy like we we make the decision (laughs) and then we don't want to think about it anymore you know and and so we build and so we build and build every day and like months and years pass so if we don't check in with those decisions and those habits that we've built over the years you look up and you're in the same spot (laughs) exactly yeah or rather just simply even not where you could be exactly and but but i posted about this today on, on my instagram is like going back to like the clothes, like house, all these type things, these things create mental limitations for you without you even knowing. Yeah, for that, like mental and physical things, right? Cause you're like- I'm still wrapping my head around that one luggage. Oh. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard though, but like I also don't care about clothes and like things like this. Like I have three pair of pants, like I wear the, I wear the same shirts. Maybe I have like, sometimes I have like 10 of these uh, and I just put it on and just keep going. So interesting. Yeah, because like it, I don't, it leaves I don't you care. so much mental space for other things. Yeah. So and all, all I'm, I'm sensing a lot of experiential. Yeah. Philosophy in you is like how you, how you go through life is by experiencing things and doing and being and connecting rather than having, yeah. which is very unencumbering and liberating. Yeah. By definition, so no, 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 no kind of possessions. You know, no properties, no excessive amounts of closets it's yeah <laughs> it's it's being rich in things that like people can't see that's it like if you talk to someone like for example uh when i was in south africa there was a guy a, a maasai who walked from tanzania to south africa right i mean they were in the same thing every day they have sandals all these things but think about the experience you have from walking that far right it's like how do you do cooler things like that right when i climbed like uh you know kilimanjaro that was just a crazy experience right and it's like okay maybe because a lot of people were a designer and all this stuff like that's fine like i like i don't like do your thing but like 
for example, Kilimanjaro, right? It's like, and, and then I went gorilla trekking and things like that, right? Like those are kind of like costly uh, experiences, but no one knows that unless you like look it up and all this type of stuff. But people that like know about it, they can be like, oh, wow, like you've done gorilla trekking. Oh, you've done Kilimanjaro. But they won't just look at you and see that. They have to talk to you. They have to get to know you. They have to, you know what I mean? Mm. Or like uh, learning a new language. Like that's investment in time and money every single day. So if you can speak four languages, you can assume that person has made it a tremendous investment, whether it's an experience of like living in that country or in a tutor or whatever it may be. Like to me, those are more interesting things, right? If you can invest time and money in those type of things. Of course, because it's about how hard it was to get there you yeah. know anybody regardless of how they got the funds which might have been by doing nothing is yeah. they, they were just born into that can you know purchase something that's very expensive Super and of easy. course most of the people won't be able to do that so that you know sets them aside it's it's facts right yeah. however things that set you aside from other people where you were forced to put into effort and time and energy and also had maybe some sort of intellectual threshold to be able to be in that category that's so much harder so yeah. that sets you aside and, even and, more. and those items aren't like like if you think about it in like kilimanjaro there's only one kilimanjaro there's only a certain amount of people that even do that like per year right there's mm-hmm. multiple louis stores there's multiple gucci stores well i mean as somebody that's worked in the luxury watchmaking uh, for for many many years you know they will say that this is a limited edition of one piece exactly (laughs) no i I get it i get it yeah yeah yeah. but but like you're right you're right if you have say 5k in your account maybe you can go get one of these bags or or something i I, i'm not sure of the cost of them uh like uh of them now but um like you can buy it but it's maybe it's your last you know but like to like well, I have a friend right now he's running a, across America for like 64 days he's doing 50 miles every day and that's crazy that's rare that's not many people maybe 0.001% do that right why not do things like that of course where it's like man like, and by the way now you have to think about how did he get 64 days off work at of minimum course. of course that's not even his training right (laughs) it's about choices it's about choices and what people put value on i always think about this especially recently it's like if you look at people's social media you can really tell what they put value on like for for them like in their lives but also what they would then be impressed by in other people you know what i mean yeah that is um very true especially like when you're dating like when i was more of my party scene, it was very easy to identify girls that were of substance and not of substance, to say the least. Very Go easy. on. It, it was just very easy. I won't give away the secrets. No, no, you better are guys, be giving away the secrets. There secret. are guys that are uh, already like doing this, but it's super easy. Like the girls that like are maybe uh, giving off that they're like living this flashy lifestyle, those are typically probably the easiest girls to impress mm. because it only takes money, right? They also aren't really living the lifestyle. They are also the brokest, right? So it's like, it's pretty easy to spot yeah. all this type stuff. You take a girl like that to some fancy restaurant and you're pretty much 
in a good spot. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure, for sure. I mean, I know that, but I just wanted you to confirm that. Yeah, maybe I mean, maybe you, super, you gave me some nugget that I didn't know yet. Yeah, no, it's it's like super easy to spot, yeah. identify all this. Like, Yeah, it's 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 going back to that, you know, you, f- you feel the need to portray things that you are usually insecure about or yeah. are, are lacking. It's yeah. like my mom used to say, good products don't need advertisement. Literally. So anyway, I there were a couple of more things that I wanted to talk about. Um, so Swahili. Yes. And your philanthropic kind of endeavors. Yeah. yeah. Talk to me about that, and so and I um, need to connect you to another person. Remind me that for as well. sure, for sure. <laughs> so uh, with Swahili, there's a couple of things. Like as an American, like black person, right? You don't really see a lot of black distance runners. Everybody just runs fast in a short distance, right? Uh, but then you look at the Kenyans, you look at like uh, Ugandans and like though like they're distance runners, right? Like it's crazy. I, like I've never seen like black people run long. <laughs> Honestly, I know that sounds crazy. I never uh, thought about that. But. Yeah. Like in, like in America, you see people run fast. I said, you know, and so and then I, I, I've been spending more time in like Arusha. So I have a friend that owns a coffee shop in Arusha. And then uh, I have a friend named Key who I'm, I'm smiling right now because I love that guy so much. We went to Zanzibar together. It was his first time in Zanzibar as well. He's from uh, Tanzania and uh, such a great experience. But he has like some land there and like really good family ties. He's like probably has the, one of the best characters I've ever seen in any human as well. And so I'm like, man, there's like so much opportunity in Africa. But like I don't like going to countries for long periods of time if I can't speak the language, because I think I have a deeper understanding of the culture. Um, and then I think it also just ho- hopefully shows uh, people a bit more gratitude of like an appreciation of like why I'm actually there. And then there's a guy in um, his name is Moses in Nairobi, but uh, in this area called Kibera, which is like a slum in Nairobi. And so we've helped him with some stuff like short, like small stuff in last Christmas to get like food, educational stuff. His, his wife is going through something now, so help help to help, help with that. Um, and he has a very big vision. Um, his mindset is ridiculous. We were at his house, maybe his rent's like $19 or something, but like lights are flickering on and off. It's like very, very, very poor. Uh, but he's finding innovative ways to like sustain his community, right? When we sent the money, he sent receipts. He spent every single penny. Well, 10 cent was left of it, right? So he spent everything um, on helping the community when he could have easily just taken it for himself. His mindset is if you see the text, the way he texts me about negative situations, it will make you be even more optimistic, more grateful, more passionate, and more probably inspired to even like help others and just like give to others. Um, And so I really love that too, because he's like probably in a place where it's like very easy to be negative and he's not i don't think ever right um even with his wife in the hospital now and all, and all these things but I, sorry i'm going on a tangent but i'm, I'm extre- extremely passionate about that so i was visiting this area more and more i wanted to do some like running camps in kenya i wanted to spend more time there uh so that's why like the swahili is is, is so important um also i didn't realize this but my uh grandpa had my dad in swahili at like when he was like a child uh so that's like another thing um, also in America, I believe like black Americans always talk about like racism and all this type of stuff. Like I get it, but like you can't change others. You can only change yourself. And so if you think about that, if you think about like uh, slavery and stuff in America, 
right? Well, like they wipe them of the, the religion, for example. Well, if, if you acknowledge that, what is your religion then? What is your native religion? And why don't you go back to that or at least try to understand it? Don't expect others to change if you can't change yourself. If you believe that, that like um, now English is your language because they wiped you of your native language, what is your native tongue? So for me, it was important to learn an African language uh, because I can't believe these things and not act on them. So for me, I should also be trying to speak in some kind of African language if I believe and I do feel at home uh, in, in, in East Africa. Like mm -hmm. I, I love, I love it out there. Right. And so that's why I'm like learning Swahili with some of the initiatives we're doing there. It's like, uh, or starting to do there. And it kind of tied in with the running too. Cause with the running, everybody's raising money for charity. Last year I raised money for pancreatic cancer, which was, which was fine. Cause my uh, grandma passed away from pancreatic cancer. It was great. Like it was awesome. Cause like we raised money, but I'm like, look, when you're traveling, there's like people that really need help, you know? And like, you can help them. Like you gave money to an organization who knows what they're doing with it, to be honest. And like, you can touch the people that you're actually helping. So do, do it, right? And so it was a great way for like, uh, even with the running to kind of incorporate more like philanthropic type stuff. And so we're trying to build uh, more of that too right now <laughs> so uh like so but but those initiatives are focused on like education because i believe my first company was focused minty um on education right i think there needs to be more sustainable ways of education and by the way all pillars are focused on um two things of uh, being uh self-sufficient and sustainable right so we know we can't be there forever and we like we don't want to because I don't think people learn how to like be on their own and people don't want to be given. They don't appreciate that's that like just being given things. Um, so how do we create like systems, like sustainable systems in these places uh, for people to be self-sufficient long-term, right? And so I think that takes like a lot of different thought. The money is okay, I guess, but it's like, it's, it's like understanding the cultures. How do people respond to these things? Um, so I think it, that's like a lot of work over the next 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, but that's like the seed that we planted last year uh, that we're trying to keep like some momentum there. And then the other one is about, so education. Um, another one is about farming. Uh, so they do sack farming, right? Uh, so sack farming is you have a, like the actual sack that the soil comes in. So since they're living in an urban area um, with, the, with the sack, they can plant outside of their home in the bag. So the plant is growing in their bag but now they can have access to like actual food, okay. right? And then the other thing is like access to feminine products uh, because a lot of the women uh, are unfortunately uh, like selling sex for these uh, feminine products. And like, that's how like they're getting AIDS, unwanted pregnancies, all these type things. Um, so that's like trying to do something um, along those lines there. But yeah. By, so. by racing and raising. Racing, that. raising money and like actually being there. Okay. And so that's another reason why, like, uh, it's hard for me to live in, like, one place is because I'm trying to do things in, in different places. And I have, like, connections with, like, real people in these places. And I need to see them. So, like, to your point on the relationships, like. What's I, more important? What, like. Um, yeah, yeah, no, no. Yeah, like, yeah. It's in like. In the grand scheme of things, you're thinking on one side, would I give up 
these multiple countries, multiple communities, multiple, you know, cultures, people that I could help versus, yes, this one person love. Yeah. So you're like the whole world love or this one person love. Yeah. So I'm not going to give up like yeah, all yeah, of I this. Understand. You know, well, like it's I'm, I'm, I'm also not really willing to compromise on any of it because I'm like, I guess it's a matter also maybe, you know, one day or, or with the person that you already know or maybe in the future you meet somebody that is very much of the same mindset and they would be happy to maybe yeah. travel with you. Yeah, but it's, it's like the travel with me part is like a small part mm. of it, right? Because there's so many dynamics in like my life uh, that like they also need to understand like. <laughs> because it's like i'm talking to people in eastern europe in one day i might talk to someone in turkey eastern europe africa america and then be living in, in somewhere else like right now in london right and i might be in africa on a farm right but like my mental is so different when i'm living on a farm and then i might have to like transition into say turkey which was actually true one time i was like living in africa uh at my friend's house which is like like by a farm and so living there where like you go to a you go get a sim card in arusha it's a tent on the street right it's not a store you know mm. <laughs> um and so then going into like turkey where no one's speaking uh english and you're like in mosque and everybody's like it's just different right then you move to a london like that's a it's a crazy mental shift um so it's like also understanding that dynamic and being able to a lot of people only think about travel as holiday instead of like cultural immersion mm. where it takes uh dramatic shifts in your life constantly um and that's why like foundation and grounding is so important and also like staying calm right like a lot of times there's always different challenges in life and all these things you can't really control them you can only control like how you respond to them and you have to stay calm in order to like think through all these things yeah. you know so that's why like i try not to get too high i try not to get too low i just maintain yeah a it. constant yeah and like good things happen bad things happen but neither one of them are like these two shall pass yeah exactly <laughs> exactly if i had to ask you what three very important life lessons you've internalized over the years what would you say oh i don't even know if i have three i think it's just one Go it's ahead. just like continue to make progress that's it like and like there's there's no good or bad it's just life progress iteration that's like there's nothing more comp life life is simple we make it complex i do i do agree on that <laughs> I, do, I do very much agree with that yeah i like to end uh, my podcast with a question what's your recipe for happiness uh my recipe for happiness is just progress getting two percent better every day i know that sounds so uh, like uh no, no, no. but it's it, it's repetitive but it's it's literally like the only way i found it uh find happiness is just making progress and by the way progress is like well every day is not good i know but progress is like just trying to step forward even if you fail just keep moving forward that's it you have good days you have bad days but at least you're getting better motion motion thank you <laughs> thank you this has been great yeah this is super opened fun. my mind in many ways thank you <laughs> good good <laughs> actually yeah there's also a special question okay cool in the end um what message would you have for my audience if you could tell them anything be the authentic version of yourself and if you don't know what that is find it expeditiously expeditiously yeah like immediately 
How? Oh yeah, how do you start? I think it's time in like isolation. You have to spend time with yourself. Think about who you are when there's nothing else around, when there's no one else around. And however you find that isolation, find it, even if it's five minutes a day. And everyone can find five minutes and slowly start building on that. So true. And, so true. And, and if you need to calm your mind in that five minutes, start with counting down from 100 to zero. You'll get better and better with it over time. But find a cadence like I do, like 100. Sometimes whatever it comes to, I might say 199, 98, 97. And I just keep that cadence all the way to zero. Or I might be like 100, 99, 98. But that helps you find stillness and calmness in your mind to then go into thinking or just silence in your mind. Very, very, very true. Because all the time we are in motion, but not the conscious motion, just the flow of life. And rarely people actually take time to have this quiet space exactly. of reflection. And that is so important. Exactly. And I think you should do it before, like, or like in the early part of your day, uh, and then at night. And the, the one at night should be like gratitude and self-criticism. Because uh, we can all get better in like different ways. Like, for example, maybe I was rushing um, on the train and I didn't say hello to a lady that said hey to me, right? Maybe that was her way of expressing joy or gratitude. And maybe I made her feel uh, uh, terrible after that moment that maybe it impacted someone else's day like I can become a better person even in that moment and so thinking about these small moments yeah. uh, are, are critical into just to be more more aware and trying to become a better person like every single day I, I even one time there was uh, sorry I've continued but one day there was a time I thought back um, one of my friends was uh, we were both drunk <laughs> but uh, um, it was it was uh, uh, like a female friend and so in the Uber, she was drunk, um, but I should have put my address, uh, or I should put my address last and her address first to make sure she got home. But I put my address first, and then she was in the car with a stranger, obviously drunk. Like, that is something I shouldn't do, so I apologize to her. One, she should be aware of that maybe in the future if she's with another guy friend to bring that to their attention because maybe just mm -hmm. like, people don't think yeah yeah they just don't think and then i should also be aware of that for any time that would happen again yeah because uh, i could have used better judgment and luckily nothing happened in that moment but it could have so just these small things yeah. every day two yeah. percent exactly <laughs> great thank you carmichael thank you <laughs> hello friends if you enjoyed this episode please make sure to subscribe and share it with someone I would love to hear your feedback and suggestions as to what guests you'd like to see in the show next. See you next week.